Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today we're talking with Jason Gregory. He is a teacher and an international speaker specializing in the fields of Eastern and Western philosophy, comparative religion, metaphysics, and ancient cultures. Today we're discussing his book, Effortless Living. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Rebecca. It's a pleasure. Um, and I know you're, you're joining us from Australia, so I don't know what, what weird hour it is for you, but thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it's... it's uh... Right, two a.m. this morning. So yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm um, used to it. I, I love I, I love this. I love my work, and I love doing this, engaging with people like yourself. So it doesn't really bother me. Well, well, that's good. So hopefully we're able to keep you awake with an engaging conversation here. Um, What uh, inspired you to pursue, you know, um, comparing Eastern and Western philosophies the way you have? Well, I guess, um, well, I'm a Westerner, so I'm born in Australia, and it was about 10 years ago now, back in 2008, when I, when I chose to, you know, go traveling the world and, and um, just explore other cultures and other traditions, and I basically was in Asia for many, many years, and so I guess it was just a, it was kind of a natural progression, you could say, I, you know, I went with my wife, and my wife's from, from Korea, and um, we just went, we traveled everywhere. We stayed in many monasteries and ashrams and everything all around Asia. And I was just studying basically a lot of Eastern philosophy. And I was already um, schooled in um, Western philosophy, but not, not as much as I have been since I went to, uh, in Eastern philosophy since I've been in the East. So, you know, it was kind of just a, a, a natural marriage for me, you know, being a Westerner and finding out the benefits of what Eastern philosophy has to show for the, for the Western world, and even you know, even in the Eastern world now, because the Eastern world, as you may know, Rebecca, is becoming it is increasingly becoming Western. If we go to especially Far East Asia, mm-hmm. like China, Japan, Korea, so it was just it was just natural. Um, I didn't set out to do that. It just kind of happened of itself. I started writing articles about the the way of the East, and and then it led into books and. Um, you know, I was obviously influenced by a lot of the spiritual practices as well in the East. So, yeah, I, you know, it wasn't intentional. It was completely unintentional, but that's just the way it sort of unfolded. Well, you know, I can definitely understand that. Um, you know, I studied Chinese medicine and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very Canadian. And uh, mm. there, there was something that, that drew me to it. And I actually can't answer it for people when they ask me why. It was just something I, I had to do. And when I, when I studied it, it made sense to me. It was, it was very natural to me. And, um, you know, I think the way that traditionally, you know, ancient China looked at a lot of things was, um, I, 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 I don't know, just made sense. Um, although there wasn't a lot of philosophy in the teaching of Chinese medicine, it was actually taken out during um, their communist revolution. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's what you're here for, <laughs> is to tell us about that today. <laughs> 
Well, I can understand where you're coming from, Rebecca. I've, you know, I have a deep interest in traditional Chinese medicine as well, and 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 also Ayurveda in India. And I, and I was going to say, I think maybe the attraction, especially for people like you and I, is that um, coming from a very, you know, Canada and Australia, very analytical cultures. When we go over, when we you know, explore other traditions, especially Eastern traditions, something very holistic about their philosophies and their approach to medicine. And that, which is, um, you know, it doesn't matter who we are, even if you're a very, even if you're a scholar or someone very academic, when you come across that sort of information, there's some, it taps into other parts of the brain that it makes sense, you know, like it's, because you're taking in much more of an integral approach to the world as opposed to a very, you know, analytical, this is that and that is this and, and you know, we, we, we separate things and instead of unite things in the way that we, we in our thinking. So I think hey. that, you know, and that's, and, sorry, and that's, and that's also a cognitive um, aspect as well because if we look at cognitive science, we look at the hot cognition, which is more of the unconscious um, older part of the brain, that's got much more to do with uh, holistic thinking as opposed to the prefrontal cortex in the front of our brain, which is more to do with analytical thinking. And, and actually, that's the part of the brain where so-called Jason and Rebecca reside, you know, the, the ego mm-hmm. that um, intellectually carves the world up to, to suit its own agenda, so to speak. So, Well, that, yeah. that is something that, that's very um, Western is to be separate. And not only do we feel that we, um, as our ego, are, are separate, um, but even when, when, you know, from, from my point of view, when we look at medicine, it's treated separately. If you have a skin condition, you go to a dermatologist, and if they can't find a reason, you then go to an allergist instead of somebody who looks at everything, and it can take years to figure it out because you're going to all these little separate boxes. And, um, you know, I think physically and as well, you know, emotionally, mentally, and all of that, we're something that we're doing we're separating and we're missing we're missing something in that separation because we are not separate from any of those things no we're not we're definitely not and you know it's it comes back to i guess you know especially in the west we just don't think we don't think in that manner because we're not educated that way and our whole social structure is is compartmentalized you know so everything is divided and separate when if we go back thousands of years like even medicine and philosophy religion and science all of all of that was all mixed and was all of was basically one holistic philosophy you know you had to study all of it to understand every piece of it as opposed to these days you know we have we have certain schools of thought which will study just philosophy and not study medicine and study you know other aspects of science or religion or so forth and so on and so you know we've got this very compartmentalized perspective of of the world which is you know completely different to the way of thinking especially in in china and india where instead of having a view of partiality they have much more of an impartial view of reality which you know is kind of very foreign to to even easterners and in the modern world and and especially westerners so yeah it's a it's a tricky one but um Part of my work is to try and get people back more interested into, you know, much more of this holistic way of um, looking at the world, um, you know, whether that be in medicine or philosophy or science or whatever, uh, you know, because I I believe that this is the 
the way forward, actually, for humanity. Once we get out of that intellectual, analytical overthinking and, and come back more into that, more of that natural part of the mind. So, um, wh- what is um, the ego? <laughs> you yeah. got it. you got five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a tough one. It isn't like if if we think about the ego, you could you could you could cut it up and explain it as many times uh, in, in as many ways as you can. But the ego is basically, you could say, the belief in um, the identity or the belief in the image of yourself that you portray to the world. Um, and it's also, if we look at it from a, a cognitive perspective, it's really that part of our brain where the intellect resides. So basically, the intellect, what the intellect's job is and it, what it does well is it, it, as it carves the world up to, you know, to, to navigate through this, through this world. So, you know, I need to know that a cactus is spiky, for example, you know, or, you know, something... Um, just something simple like that. You know, we have the intellect to carve the world up, you know, what is healthy, what is good for me, and blah, blah, blah. But then this extends out into the problem with just having um, an ego that can associate with that is that what happens over time is, you know, we develop other conditioning and other things that we associate with either good or bad or pleasurable. And and this is what um, starts to build this hardened state around, you know, our, our mind where I start to believe my, in myself as this image, as Jason, too much uh, in this image. And all that does is it cause suffering, you know. Even if we look at, say, if we look at depression and uh, many of these mental health issues we have in the world, a lot of it comes down to people's anxiety and, suffer- and, and stress that's developed from trying to hold up this image to the world, which, which, is, which is hard to hold up to, you know, to live up to these standards and um, to try and, you know, promote this socialization that we've all, um, you know, we've all imbibed over, over our lifetime. And, you know, someone like Lao Tzu would say that's completely the wrong way to go about it because he, he would say that socialization and all of that that's been impressed upon us that has, def- that has built our ego is where the problem is. Um, and, and also, to, to, to stick with Taoism a little bit, the other great Taoist sage, Duangzi, would say that the, 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 there's, a, there's a Chinese word, word called Qing. Now, this, this word Qing is, um, it means species-specific essence. So when you, think of a, when you think of a horse that gallops beautifully or something like that, so, so a horse, it's, it's graceful stride, it's gallop, is its species-specific essence. You know, it's the only animal that can do that. And what Drungzer would say is that a human species-specific essence um, is, is actually a flaw. You know, this is what Qing is. He says that our Qing is a, is a flaw. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's something that's faulty in us. And, and what that is, is it's the ability for us, our, our species-specific essence is our ability to discern between this and that. Now he's saying that the ability to discern between this and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but when you start to discern between good and bad, right and wrong, or I like this and or I don't like her and I, I hate him, you know, it gets on a deeper and deeper level. And so, this is where all the problems um, are, come from. 
and this is um, what actually uh, starts to develop a, hard, a hardened ego or, or a hardened sense of um, persona or pers- personality. And Zhuangzi would say, you know, we need to actually fast the mind. He's, he's talking about fasting that part of our mind to come back more into that natural, spontaneous state, which is what they call Zidran in, in, in Chinese, which is spon- spontaneity of itself. So just being naturally a human without having this sharpened knife that we, you know, that we use, which is our intellect, to, to carve the world up to suit our own agendas, really. And, and that's basically what, you know, when we, when we get down to it, the ego on a subtle level, that's what basically what most of us are doing on a daily basis. We're, we're carving the world up according to our own conditioning to suit our own personal agendas and our own self-interest. And that, again, goes completely against the holistic, holistic thinking um, from the East, which is, as you probably know, Rebecca, the East is um, big time about getting rid of the ego and, and trying to get back into more of that natural state where you have more of a sense of unity or more of a sense of collectivism where you feel more more of an expansiveness within your consciousness where you feel more one with with humanity, you know, nature, the universe, so forth and so on. So. Well, so one thing with ego um, is, you know, it does make us feel separate. And, um, you know, there, I read a study on addiction that was done on, on rats that were um, separated. They were on their own. And then as opposed to having a community and the ones um, in the community actually gave up the addiction. I can't remember what the drug was. It was probably some pretty heavy duty. And and they, they showed that the addictions were actually a result of not having community support and being separate. But of course, this is what we've done in the West is we all feel separate. Everybody that I talk to that comes to see me feels most of the time they feel like they're alone and nobody's understanding them and, you know, that they are separate and no one else is is in the same boat with them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel that that's the, one of the, you know, lead, uh, lead causes of, of depression and, and and mental health issues like that is because people develop this isolated sense of, of themselves, you know, from isolated from the rest of the world and they have a sense of, you know, loneliness or they, they feel that they don't belong to anything. And, you know, and, and I think that our orientation of how we think we should belong is, is wrong. You know, people think, oh, I want to belong to a religion or I want to belong to a, a, you know, a certain way of thinking. I want to belong to a, a fan base like a sporting team or something like that, which will define myself. And what happens is when people follow these paths, a lot of them don't suit them and they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, they, they, they end up being dead ends and then they feel like they're kind of lost. But, you know, what I try to tell people is, you know, you don't need to belong to any particular religion or a particular philosophy or a sporting team or anything like that. You need to you need to develop a, a deep sense that you belong to this world. You know, you don't need to belong to a certain man-made ideology or anything like that. You need to develop a sense of belonging to this world. And the irony of this, Rebecca, is that when you look in, especially if you look in the yogic culture in India, a lot of the yogis um, in the old days would leave society uh, because they they did have a sense that they didn't didn't belong and the irony is that when they went off in the isolation and they meditated for you know for years and caves and stuff like that they had a, 
a deep sense that they belonged and, and then they could return to the society, um, you know, anew, afresh and, and, you know, just engage with life again without having a sense of loneliness and that, which, which kind of sounds paradoxical, but sometimes that can help people to get away from familiar environments and that to, de- to you know, to develop a deeper appreciation about life. And, and I found that actually about, um, in the last 10 years when I've been traveling, you know, I always felt like I didn't really fit in Australian culture. I still, in a sense, I still don't. But, you know, I have a lot of friends here, my family are here, so forth and so on. But it, w- it wasn't until when I went away and traveled for, you know, five, six years at a time that I would, you know, develop much more of a deeper appreciation from where I came from and also the world in general. So, you know... It's a tricky one because I, th- I think that you know we can't we, we can't really say that every case um, is the same as you as you would know you know most of all that each case is unique in a lot of cases in a, in a lot of cases but you know a, a lot of that depression does come from that sense of that we've yeah as you said that we don't we don't belong and so forth and so on but you know once we get out of that way of thinking and we just we need to, you know, we need to settle our mind and, and try and understand that we do belong. And, you know, meditation helps that. Also being more conscious of yourself and, you know, taking care of your diet, um, trying to have communication with people, you know, even if it feels uncomfortable, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Jason Gregory and we're discussing his book, Effortless Living. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You 
are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Jason Gregory and we're discussing his book Effortless Living. I'm not sure why I can't can't say that. Effortless Living. (laughs) So um, Jason, what does the the title of your book mean? (laughs) Well, it sounds like it's very very effortful to say maybe. I know. I'll get you to say it again. (laughs) Uh, Effortless Living is is, um, kind of a, a state of consciousness that uh, especially was uh, spoke about in the Warring States period of of China. So we're talking about we're going back about two thousand five hundred years now. Um, and and when you go back to the Warring States period, you think of the great uh, teachers like Lao Tzu, Confucius, Mencius, Zhuangzi, especially these four. Um, and they spoke about a, a kind of a, a a way of living or or a way that you know. Like a psychological state that you that you live with, which is called uwei in in Chinese, and uwei is basically we can translate that in in many different many different ways because all all of the different sages and teachers during that time kind of spoke about it in their own unique way. But if we translate it, it can mean uh, non doing, effortless action. Um, uh, what else can it be? It can be. Um, non-forcing, but if we look at it from Lao Tzu's perspective, the, the original view of Uwe, it, it, it does mean non-doing, but you have to think of sort of like, uh, you know, allowing or, or, or non-forcing, and, and when you think of that, it, a, a way that I always say to people to try and picture it is, is when you slide a key into a keyhole, and if you go to twist the key very fast, if you use a lot of force, you know, what happens? You're met by resistance. But if you just jiggle it ever so softly, you know, the, the, the door opens very effortlessly. And that's kind of the state of mind that, that they were talking about. It's, it's kind of a, you know, Zhuangzi would, would, he would even take it further and say that it's a, a skillful way to live life. And, you know, he has um, many uh, examples, many stories he uses to, to explain that, where, you know, he's got a story, uh, um, the story of Kuk Ding or Butcher Ding. And Butcher Ding, what... You know, in in the Zhuangzi text, the butcher Ding, you know, he's a butcher, and it sounds like a very disgusting story. But you know, he's sliding his his cleaver, you know, ever ever so ever so softly and easily with, with grace through an ox, and the ox just falls apart effortlessly. And there's a there's a lord at the time, Lord Wenwei, and Lord Wenwei comes up to butcher Ding and says, you know, how do you do this? And um, he says, like after after three years. Um, you know, at the beginning, actually, he say he says like, you know, I I had to learn about um, the ligaments and and where to strike the ox and, and so forth and so on. But after three years, um, I fast my mind and I approached the 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 ox with my spirit and and the the ox. I just follow the way of the Tao, meaning the the way of nature or the way that the world um, you could say presents itself and the ox just falls apart. I meet it with no resistance. So what that is meant to, for us is that 
we can live skillfully in life um, and not meet life with resistance. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you just let everything, you know, um, happen as it will. Like, you know, if someone comes up to you and says you have to pay the rent, it's probably best to pay the rent, you know, instead of, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to, you know, take this to the, I shouldn't say you don't want to take it to the nth degree. You just want to have a bit of common sense about it, you know. So what happens is that when you do start to, you know, if you look at the Taoist perspective, if you look at the way Lao Tzu would say to come into this state of Wu-Wei, it's when you start to simplify your life, you start to feel this sort of this effortlessness in your life. And you, you don't sort of meet life with a lot of resistance because you have simplified your life and you're starting to work on more of your yourself, on your inner world, as opposed to trying to, you know, build build sandcastles in, in, in the external world. So, you know, you're you're just gracefully moving through this world and and what that does is as a result is it is it evokes this I mentioned earlier, Zitran, this this ability, this um, spontaneity, um, you know, the, the subtitle of my book is called Uwe in the Spontaneous State of Natural Harmony, which is, that's what it is. That's that naturalness that arises um, without uh, having to think about it. And, and this, is, this is a big topic, especially even in Zen Buddhism, because Zen Buddhism, what you're trying to do in Zen, what the master is trying to get you to do is to have a mind of no del- deliberation. So meaning to, to speak very spontaneously without having to think about it, but the but to be um, spontaneously correct, So, which is very difficult to do, a very difficult skill to have. But that's kind of what Zen practice is trying to do, is trying to cultivate this ability to be spontaneous, but to be also be spontaneously correct, as opposed to like, you know, you could say anything to me right now and I could spontaneously reply, but it might be psychobabble, you know, it might not make any sense. So that's what this, this effortlessness is. It's this ability to live effortlessly in the world um, and not to be um, stuck, not to have your mind stuck on anything, um, you know, that the mind consumes basically. So, um, so to achieve the irony this, is, Rebecca, to get into okay, that debate, as, as Lao Tzu would say, is that we have to sort of fall in love with non-doing. So not trying to achieve as, you know, like in this day and age, we've got this, everyone's in the state of hyper-achievement, um, entrepreneurship. And I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm not saying anyone should stop doing that. But the irony is, is that, you know, a lot of the times when we, when we meet these obstacles in our life when, and people just try to blast through them, we, we, we constantly suffer because of that. And, and sometimes there's some obstacles you can't overcome. And once you've lived life long enough, you know, you start to appreciate that and start to understand that. And that's why this sort of philosophy exists. So, um, you know, it's simple to say that, you know, just don't react that way. But if, if we're wanting to do that and we're already reacting that way, what can we do so that we can eventually change um, the, this in ourselves? Yeah, it's a difficult one because the thing is, if there's, what happens is when we have a lot of these deep um, subconscious reactions to the world, it, it does take time to try and, you could say, to try and transform them into something more positive or, you know, 
again, like it, it depends on because you know each of us, each and every one of us, have our own sort of our own ticks that we want to sort of get rid of. Um, some people from looking from outside in may think that that's not a problem at all, but we know it's a problem because of the way we react. And you know, for example, if you look at something like um, uh, aggression or anger, you know, I think everyone in the whole world has dealt with anger, and anger usually can happen very spontaneously, and and, and it can catch us um, catch us out and not thinking, and you know, we leave ourselves in pretty prickly situations. So. When we look at that, um, you know, in fasting the mind, in, in the book I wrote before this, that there is a particular approach in the East, um, which a lot of people are probably not aware of, and it it kind of formulates a, what they call the science of mind, and and I call it the the wheel of samsara framework. So basically, what that if we look at if you believe in say for example if you believe in samsara, samsara being the cycle of life, so you know what goes around comes around, you know even an Indian thought. It, this happens from life to life from, in, from their way of thinking. But if, if we want to look at it from just the life that we're living now, in that Wheel of Samsara framework, we have this, this three key parts. There's samskaras, so the uh, subliminal psychological imprints or psychological imprints. And they're, they're sort of what um, we... Um, everything that we consume in our life, so everything that, that we've experienced in our life that develops um, this deep, uh, this deep subconscious, this um, these things that we have about ourselves, you know, which can be positive or negative, um, depending on, on what you think. And then what happens then is that first layer or that or that that core of our mind then affects the vasanas in Sanskrit, which is our habits and tendencies. Now, then after that, that the vasanas affect um, our karma. Now, karma, you know, people think of karma as cause and effect. Karma literally means action. It comes from the Sanskrit root kri, but you know, obviously, action leads to does lead to cause and effect, and so forth and so on. So, the way to address this, you know, what they believe with this science of mind that they've developed in the East, especially in India, is that you've got to sort of reverse the cycle. You've got to start to work on your actions, which begin to affect your your habits, which then start to transform your your subconscious. Um, you know, we're not sort of taught that that way in the West. You know, we're taught to deal with our subconscious, and and, and and you know, obviously there are methods in the West that do say to deal with your actions, but it's not very well known. You know, so in in this re- in this regard, like for example, you know, your karma could be, you know, say there's a particular situation, and you always act spontaneously angry, uh, angry towards that whatever that situation is. And so once you start to work on yourself and start to sort of pull back the reins on, on acting in that way, then that starts to affect your, your, your habit patterns, which then starts to work on a deeper level. Um, and and this, this goes into also, you're probably familiar with like Vipassana meditation and stuff like that, Rebecca, insight meditation, which comes from Buddhism, which is designed to have an effect on your, your what, you know, what they would call the sensorium of your nervous system. So your senses, which they believe is kind of the, the, the matrix of the subconscious where, you know, our senses is what sort of fuels our habits, um, and, and actions. So, you know, they would, they would prescribe for us to, you know, spend many, many hours in deep meditation to try and, to try and get down into this sense level, 
um, the sensorium and then start to transform the subconscious. And, and the reason they do this is because once you do meditate, if you're familiar with meditation or any of your listeners, then if you meditate for many years, you do notice that it does have an effect on the way you act towards the world and your actions. You do become much more conscious of um, yourself in certain situations. It doesn't mean that you're going to stuff up. You're not that you're going to be free from stuffing up in the future. You you might some experience might catch you out, but you know it's a work in progress. You know what I mean. You can't get it overnight. And the beauty about all of the Chinese philosophers is, you know, if you look at Zhuangzi, for example, he'd say, you know, who's to say it's right or wrong? You know, just continue to work on yourself. Don't don't get into the, the, the self-blame game and, and, and don't be at odds with your own humanity, which, which I feel is one of the big problems in the world, Rebecca. People are, are, are just at odds with their own humanity. They don't appreciate themselves at a deep level, which causes a, a hell of a, a lot of other problems. You know, I, I like that you just said that because I, um, you know, I had uh, one concern with, with a, a patient who was, um, you know, listening to, to talks like this and, and she wasn't achieving what they were promising. She, you know, she was meditating and doing all this, but she hadn't achieved this, this bliss that they were saying she was going to achieve. And, and I can understand where she would think that that was being promised because I've listened to things and, and it often is promised. If you just do this, you will reach this. And, and I think that what gets missed in, in that conversation is that you're also human and you're supposed to react to things and you're supposed to have feelings, but it's more just changing how that how deep that reaction goes, I suppose, you know, instead of the major anger and road rage and, you know, going and beating somebody up to, to you know, kind of irritating you and you kind of recognizing that it is, you know, I, I think that that's sort of our, our goal, I would imagine. You can say better. Definitely. Sure. I think that I think that is the goal. And and I can understand uh, where, where your patient was coming from, too. I think that we've all probably been down that path where you know, a certain philosophy or meditation teachers and this and that will will promise you're going to be in this this non-dual state of bliss where everything will be, you know, one and and so forth and so on. But you know, what happens is is that you know, a lot of those teachers and a lot of some of those philosophies do try to exclude the the human aspect. And what I what I find, you know pleasing for me about, you know, Chinese philosophy, especially Taoism and also Zen Buddhism, is they took into account that, you know, one of one of the key processes of the spiritual practice is not to be at odds with your own humanity. You know, so you, we have this, you know, the ultimate skill of life, for example, from from Zhuangzi's perspective, the ultimate, the, 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 the man of Tao or the woman of Tao the human of Tao is the ability to to be kind of not two people at once, but to have this skill where you are this person and you know you're this person, but you also know you're something much deeper than that. And it's this ability to have this. I wouldn't say it's a duality between those, but it's a, it's an understanding that you know I am Rebecca or I am Jason, and I and I am this person living this life with this, some of these tendencies and so forth and so on. But I understand that I'm connected and, and part of something much greater than myself. As opposed to probably your patient's perspective, she, she or he may have come into um, maybe a non-dual philosophy, which kind of says that, 
you know, your human nature and so forth and so on is completely, you know, um, illusory. And though that may be true, the problem that we all have to face is that we, we are living that life, you know. So sometimes we've just got to grow up and just accept that, okay, I am this person for this life and, and, and let's be the, be the best version of myself I can be. Sorry. I want to. I, I I love this strain that we're on, and I want to pick this up um, when we get back from our break. We're going to be back shortly. We're talking today with Jason Gregory. Gregory, so just tune in. We'll be back. <laughs> Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Jason Gregory, and uh, we're discussing his book, Effortless Living. So, Jason, um, you know, we were, were on this train before the break about um, just recognizing when we're, we're trying to find this effortless living, of also recognizing that we're human as well and that we still have feelings and and triggers and I know you know a lot of people do try to achieve that when they start meditating or or recognizing these things and and you know we we were uh, speaking briefly on the break that you know to to achieve that um that 
bliss that that is um, promised or you know kind of just outside of our reach um, is what yogis did that as you said earlier went into a cave and and you know meditated for years and and they weren't out in in society having our daily triggers and doing what the rest of us are doing exactly yeah there's the bliss that they are talking about is you could say disconnected from society it's it's you know it's up in the mountains it's in a in a cave or or it's just away from your familiar environment you know so i i've experienced a lot of that bliss when i've been outside of australia i mean i've experienced it here but more so when i've been in india or or thailand or nepal you know in in spiritual retreat you know i've i've experienced it a lot and you know i like to use, I, I tell people about you know this example like there's a there's a zen there's a zen buddhist temple in new york and i'm talking about inside new york city it's like in one of those buildings i, I wouldn't really say it's a temple it's it's just the, you know it's a the meditation center we should say but if you go there it, it's good you know it's all well and good you go there meditate and this and that but you come outside and it's new york city you know and so <laughs> and i say Look, i can <laughs> I, I can take <laughs> Sorry, I've been to New York, and I'm just trying to picture. You know, you're like in this in this temple, and then you walk outside, and you're honked at, and you're maybe trying to drive or even cross the street, and then all of that work that you did is gone because you're so triggered everywhere you go. Exactly, exactly. So you know, and I always say to people, like, I can take you there, or I can take you into northern Thailand, for example, and I can take you to a, a Buddhist monastery, a Theravada Buddhist monastery, forest monastery up there. And you're completely, you know, disconnected from life. And you are, when you stay there for a month, for example, you are, you know, you're in complete bliss. And the thing is, it, you are doing good work on yourself in that, in, in that environment. The, 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 the big work is to, as Joseph Campbell would say, is, is to bring back the boon back into society. You still are going to get triggered at times, but it might be just less than it was before, you know. So... I think when people think that they're just going to go back into it, like, for example, if you were working on Wall Street and you went to a spiritual retreat, there's no way that you're going to go back into Wall Street and not get triggered, you know, sometime because it's a busy environment and it's a high, it's high demand. So if you want to, if you wanted to, for example, if you went to that spiritual retreat and you came back to New York City, find a different job if you want something that's not going to trigger you so much or, or, you know, choose the things in your life. That, that are important to try and, you know, to, to get away from high stress and high anxiety, you know, that's just common sense, you know. So, but people sh- shouldn't think that, you know, okay, I'm going to meditate at home um, for this next year and then I'm going to be in bliss forever and never get disturbed. This is, this is not, the, not, not the right way to think. And, and whoever they heard that information from, they were obviously getting the wrong information. So, you know, spiritual retreat is important, but it's what you bring back to the world, which is even more important. So, you know. Well, you know yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it, it's no different. They say it takes um, a week in wilderness to reset your adrenals, which is your, your stress hormones. And yeah. um, so, you know, I, I'm not trying to stress that we, we shouldn't do this. And I think you're in agreement with me. I just, um, um, you know, I've seen those promises and, and, 
and I'm not saying we shouldn't even strive to make ourselves better. I just want people to always recognize that that in this journey, they are also still a human being having this journey. And, and I think that that gets forgotten, not only in, in this, this spiritual journey that, that people go on, but also when there's physical health as well. And people are like, why am I not better? And this journey's too long and blah, blah, blah. I, I hear that all the time as well. I don't mean to say blah, 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 yeah. but I'm just, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, I, I think just to recognize that this is a journey and uh, um, whether it's the emotional, spiritual journey, the physical journey, or all together, because they are actually connected to each other, that we are are on a journey and, and, and we're learning things as we go. And, you know, we can, I don't think we have time in the show to discuss the, the f- philosophical part of, of that. But, um, you know, I want people just to know that, that um, it's part of, of what they're doing. Exactly, yeah. And, you know. I think that, you know, some, you know, this may sound a bit harsh, but some modern people are a li- little bit delusional with spirituality too. You know, they, they read the classics and they see the great sages and they think, I want to be like that. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, they didn't just sit around doing, and meditate in, in their lounge room 20 minutes every morning. You know, they were in an intense meditation, but they were also doing a lot of other things. You know what I mean? A lot of them were great sages. You know, Confucius was a... You know, he was a busy man, but he he um, did the work. You know, and a lot of people, for example, you know, one example which I always, which I speak about this this topic with other people is there's a place in India called Tiruvannamalai, and I, and I go to Tiruvannamalai quite a lot, usually once a year. And there was a great 20th century sage called uh, Ramana Maharishi who lived there. Now Ramana followed the the classic. Um, Indian philosophy of Advaita Vedanta, which is which is non-dualism, which is a practice of um, self-inquiry, that constantly you know observing who you are um, and being in meditation a lot, and 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 part of the tradition is to actually you know to go and spend time in nature and then and you know break away from society basically. And so what happens is you know you know he's to, to me Ramana is. Uh, he's an inspiration, you know, and that's he he was his own man, you know, that was his path. And a lot of people say, oh, I want to be like enlightened, like Ramana or something like this, and then they go to Tiruvannamalai, and they want the they want to be the five star sage, you know, they want the the luxury, they want all of this, they want their internet connection, but they don't want to let go of all of these things to the point that you know they that Ram. Uh, to the point that Ramana lived, you know, he didn't live in a time where there was internet and he never had TV and so forth and so on. He just followed that path, and then he developed followers naturally, and then an ashram was built and everything like that. So, but a lot of people they, they just become delusional, and I think that one of the problems is 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 this kind of this five star spirituality that people want is is kind of you know they're holding on to their old world and they're trying to embrace a new world you know so it's um you've got to try and blend them both but you know i'm not saying that everyone i'm not saying that people should break away from society and become a sadhu but you know you've got to be if you're going to go into spirituality and you're going to try to follow some of these philosophies you've got to in, sen- in a sense be serious about it but at the same time not not be stupid about it you know so it's it all comes back to common sense Rebecca so 
Well, you know, I, 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 you and I think it's common sense, but it, it may not be if this is a new thought for, for anybody listening. I know some people don't even recognize that their response, say, to um, being cut off in traffic isn't hmm. the right response. You know, they're like, well, why can't I yell at that person? They're being stupid. You know, so, so there, there's... Um, and you know, and, and you and I know this is a, a step towards actually making that that change. Um, but how does somebody who's you know going about and they're listening to this show? How do they start to recognize that maybe there is something in themselves that that is over the top that maybe needs to change just for their their own well being? How do they recognize that? Yeah, you're saying. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I guess that we all just have to live our daily lives to recognize that, don't we? That there is something, um, a, you know, that we do need to change ourselves. You know, we're not, you know, a lot of people, you know, what I find interesting um, with, especially with modern spirituality in that is people, they actually think they're enlightened. You know, they think they're enlightened. They think they've reached this state, this, this um, pinnacle of human thought. And then when you're around them for five minutes, you know that that's definitely not the case. So, you know, I think we have to be brutally honest with ourselves, to be honest. So, you know, like for example, Rebecca, I've taken people on spiritual pilgrimages before. I've held retreats. And there's always these problems, you know. You know this being a doctor as well. There's people who come into it who think that they're a certain way. And then once they start to actually do the work, then you start to see the the demons, you could say, rise to the surface, you know, and their their their, char- their true characters start to come to the surface. So I would say that, you know, you have to be serious about all of this and, and understand that you're not at the at the uh, at the end of it at the end of a journey. The journey this this life doesn't really have an end. It's just kind of like a work in progress, you know. So you're just constantly refining your consciousness as you live. So the more you refine your consciousness, the more, you know, like in Buddhism they talk about the more you become the the pure jewel. You know, you're kind of like you're polishing the the jewel or the mirror, so to speak. But once you start to think that you're already there and, you know, you're the king, then that's when your crown is lowered. So... Yeah, I would just say people have to be brutally honest with themselves. They and if you want to, if you want to get into meditation, be serious about it. Put yourself in, you know, put yourself in a, a rigorous discipline of of doing it every day, once once in the morning, once at night. But don't see the problem is what what I find funny about the, the modern mindfulness and meditation movement is people because of our entrepreneurial mindset and our analytical mindset, people are always trying to get something back from it. Okay, if I do this, what's it going to do for me? Now, meditation is not something that is going to do anything for you. <laughs> it's, its whole role is to loosen the grip on yourself, which does do something for you, but it's, it's not going to make you, you know, like I've always found it funny that Google and Apple and all of these have these meditation rooms and this and that because they're trying to get people to reach optimal performance, and it does help that. But the, the whole basis of meditation, the original, its original tenets, was to loosen the grip on yourself so you can actually start to understand yourself better and also work on the psychological level. So, And to get down to those deeper, like I spoke about before, those deeper uh, subconscious tendencies and, and, and all of those parts of our character 
that need to be transformed, which you know usually we can't get to if we haven't at least meditated for a certain amount of time to understand the wiring inside our mind. So, you know, people, you know, I would say if you're going to be serious about this, begin there and, and start to really observe your own mind and start to, okay, write down a list. What are the things I... I the things that aren't positive about myself. Do I get angry in these situations? And make a conscious effort to change it. But <clears throat> don't expect results overnight. You know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. Well, I think that's a um, good advice and a good place to end the show. Um, you know, yeah. with you've written several books, and so I know that we could probably talk for hours, and that's what the <laughs> philosophy of, of this is about. So um, if, if there's more information that people want, um, how can they go about getting that from you? I think they can just visit my website at jasongregory.org, and I'm on most of the social media networks um, if, you, if they want to connect on Twitter it's Jason Gregory 33 <clears throat> and I'm on Facebook and also Instagram so the best bet is to go to my website and, and contact me there Okay, perfect. Well, um, thank you for staying up till 2 a.m. in Australia for <laughs> and doing this show with us. Um, I appreciate it very much Thank you for having me on Rebecca, it was a pleasure I want to thank um, everybody for listening as well. We were joined today by Jason Gregory, and we were discussing his book, Effortless Living. Thank you so much, and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 